Mic check. Mic check. One, two, one, two. Mic check. One, two, one, two. We back for another episode. It's a taste to consider podcast. Let's go. It's a taste, sick and sit a podcast. Let's go. They'll never take me alive. I'm getting high with my profile. Cocked on these suckers, time to die. Even as a youngster, causing ruckus on the back of the bus. I was a fool all through high school, kicking up dust. But now I'm labeled as a troublemaker. Who can you blame? Smoking weed up me. Away to bank, so I'm hopeless. Rolling down the freeway, swerving. Don't worry, I'm about to crash up on the curb. Cause my business bluffy. Maybe if they try to understand me, what should I do? I had to feed my fucking family. What else could I do? Or be a thug? I'm slanging with the homies, fuck hanging with them phonies in the club. Got my mind no danger. Never been a stranger to homicide. My city's full of gangbangers and drive-bys. Why do we die at an early age? He was so young, but still a victim of the 12 gauge. My memories of a corpse, mind full of sick thoughts And I ain't going back to court, so fuck what you thought I'm drinking in the sea, running from my enemies Will I let them be 23 and so much pain? Say sticking to the podcast Yes Let's go It's a taste to consider podcast. Pretty much the same way. Right around the time when you got elected. Ain't nothing changed. All the promises you made before you got elected. Tell me what the truth is, niggas acting up. Ain't came true. Tell me what the truth is, niggas acting up. Why your motherfucking troops keep killing our kids, dig? Don't be surprised if you see us 
place, take a set of prize, can't wait. Fucked up, y'all. And y'all wonder when it's gonna get better. Sticking to the podcast, yes, indeed. We are back for another episode. Whoo, yes, I swear it. It these weeks be feeling like <laughs> months, <laughs> feel like I recorded a month ago. <laughs> I swear, time is just weird these days. The, the feeling of time and how it relates to your day-to-day life is just totally different. Totally different. But we're back for another episode. It's a taste to consider podcast. Let me intro the show. Let's go. It's a taste to consider podcast. I'm your host, Derek Silver. The taste of a taste to consider podcast. The podcast of many tastes. Yes, indeed. We are back for another episode. <laughs> oh, man. I swear I wasn't going to. I was going to chill this week. I was seriously going to chill this week. I was like, I'm just going to chill. You know what I'm saying? Give myself a break or whatever. But of course something sparked something sparked me i i can't keep my mouth shut on on, on stuff I, I can't i'll be trying my best you know what i'm saying i know like a lot of people who like been around me and know me to a certain degree or whatever they always just see me just being reserved quiet introvert maybe look at me as shy or something like that but shit is always on my mind i always got shit to say <laughs> I can't help it. The part of me that's that's quiet and introverted and shit like that, that got to do with, you know what I'm saying, stuff that I've talked about plenty of times on my blog. Greatestiamblog.com. I got uh, some new blog posts up there and some new ones coming up soon. Yes, indeed. But, yeah, um, I'm really in this crazy because, um, like, right before – I was uh, about to record when I was pre-gaming and stuff. Um, I got an alert from uh, the Pattern app. And I've talked about the Pattern app before on this podcast. But I'm going to get to that. Well, I'm going to tell y'all something that happened today that was crazy. I was in the gym. And I was like, watch, I'm going to share this shit on the podcast. Um <laughs> This was some disgusting ass shit that I did in the gym. And it wasn't on purpose. It was an accident. So 
today was uh my chest day and um <laughs> I was doing uh flat flat bench press dumbbells flat dumbbell bench press and I was on my fifth set and <laughs> um I was, at that point I'm I'm already deep into my workout at that point. I've already done incline dumbbell press, um close grip, incline dumbbell press. Um and I'm all excuse me, I'm already like at that point, at this last set that I'm about to describe, I'm already like twenty sets into my workout and I'm not nowhere near finished because I do like a lot of high volume stuff. Um, like I've, I've reached the point in my, um, in my life <laughs> going to the gym and stuff where I don't really trip off. Uh, I don't do, I don't do a lot of ego lifting. I do a lot of high volume lifting. Um, so that's a lot of sets. I do a lot of sets. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm on my last set of the flat, the flat, uh, <laughs> dumbbell bench press and not even the last set. I'm on the last set, yeah, but I'm also on the last rep. I'm literally on the last rep of this last set. So um, I'm pushing the, the dumbbells up. <laughs> I'm pushing the dumbbells up. And at that point, like, I'm I'm getting fatigued because I'm, I'm like 20 plus sets in already. So I'm getting fatigued. So on this last rep, I'm pushing. I get halfway done with the rep. And then I'm I'm starting to feel the fatigue even more, which is good on my last rep. So then out of nowhere, like I, you know what I'm saying? I I wheeled myself through this last rep when I'm at the halfway mark of pushing the dumbbells up in the air. And on that last, <laughs> that last rep at that halfway mark, when I'm trying to wheel myself to get this last rep done, I ain't got no spot because I work out by myself. I did a grunt, right? And with the grunt, my mouth was open. <laughs> and some mist came out of my mouth. <laughs> The mist came out of my mouth and shot up into the air. It wasn't like a full-blown spit because if it was a full-blown spit, it would have fell back down in my face. It was just a straight mist because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a heavy sweater. Like I sweat profusely when I work out. I mean, I sweat profusely doing damn near anything if it's, if it's warm or hot enough. So... <laughs> <laughs> The mist that came up was mixed with sweat as well as spit. <laughs> and it was just the mist. And I'm sure it was it was enough people in the gym. And I'm sure somebody saw that mist come up in the air on that last rep. And I was I was embarrassed as hell that that shit happened. Because I'm just sitting there thinking like these people looking at me like this nigga. <laughs> that shit was so disgusting. It was so disgusting. But at the same time, that shit hyped me up because... The macho man in me was like, yeah, yeah, you you got that shit. You you know what I'm saying? You you push that joint out or whatever. <laughs> and then just and it's funny because in the midst of me 
misting in the air. <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking about old wrestlers that I used to like and stuff that used to do shit like that. Used to used to spit mist in the air while they was in the ring and stuff. So one side of me was embarrassed and disgusted, and the other side of me was like, you know what I'm saying, pumping my chest type shit or whatever that I pushed that last rep out. But yeah, <laughs> that was crazy. But back to the uh the pattern stuff. Um, while I was pre-game and getting ready for the show and everything, um, I talked about the pattern app uh plenty of times before on this show. And um uh an alert popped up. Like the pattern app, they they go off uh is it's like a astrological type app. And they they give you like it's called the pattern because based off of, you know, um, your birth date, your time of uh, birth and where you were born, they they let you know about the patterns in your life based off of that, you know what I'm saying, that astrological stuff. And the shit be accurate as hell. So it was funny that, you know what I'm saying, this one came up right before I was recording. So I was like, I'm going to share this shit on the podcast. So this um this particular um alert that came up was a pattern reminder. So um for all the people who got the pattern app, y'all know what I'm talking about. So I'm going to read um the pattern reminder that came up. And this shit is so damn accurate. These don't just be so accurate. And then I don't understand why people be be um always talking bad or talking down about astrological stuff or whatever. The shit is real. You know what I'm saying? But that's neither here on there. You can believe what you want to believe. But this is a taste to consider podcast. Like I said, I give you a taste of everything. So this particular um reminder says, um, it says your pattern reminder. Intense and passionate. So it says you're intended to approach your work and public life with intensity and passion. When you're interested in something, there's no halfway with you. You can push yourself to extremes to get a rush. If your career doesn't excite you, then that's a clear sign to move on. It's important to find a position where your drive sparks the energy of others. Ideally, no one tells you what to do, stands in your way, or dictates the terms of your life. You should have ownership over your schedule and be able to shape your task as you see fit. And this shit is accurate as hell because like over the past maybe three years, three, four years, um, this, I, what's been, what I just read has always been like a part of me. But the past three, four years has been like being deeper, deep is like it's been it's been coming out even more of me like, yeah. I want, you know what I'm saying? I've I've always been a person where I always wanted to do stuff on my own terms. I didn't want, you know what I'm saying, nobody dictating or controlling the way I move or the way that I thought and stuff like that. But more and more has been coming out um, based on the aspect of, you know what I'm saying, my job and career life or whatever. But I'm going to go deeper into it. So it says, whether you're whether you mean to or not, you may elicit powerful emotional reactions in the people you work and socialize with. There's an intensity about you that seems to provoke others. And I swear like that. 
from me being a child all the way to to right now, I've always been in situations where I've provoked others, even when I wasn't doing it intentionally, you know, doing it on purpose. Like me just being myself or uh, speaking my mind or speaking my quote unquote truth or or whatever. I've always been able to provoke people without being intentional about it. Excuse me, that was disgusting. But um, yeah, that has always been a part of me. Like I've always been the type of person to go against the grain and, you know what I'm saying, um, not follow the crowd and stuff like that, have different thoughts. And it's crazy because certain people that I've come across in my life always thought that I was doing it on purpose, you know, just to be, I made it a point to be different. But no, I'm just different, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm just different. I've never been been the one to follow the crowd or have, you know what I'm saying, the the this hive mind part of me, part of my personality or my thoughts or anything like that. I've always wanted to do me, be myself or whatever, you know what I'm saying? And I will always, you know what I'm saying, struggle with that, particularly when I was um str- uh struggling with depression in the past and you know what I'm saying, anxiety and stuff like that, you know what I'm saying, you feel as, I would feel as though that I needed to conform a little bit, you know what I'm saying, to make people feel comfortable and to dim my light, my quote-unquote light, you know what I'm saying, the, that cliche term that's that's thrown out a lot lately and stuff like that. But back to the uh, to the pattern reminder, it says, when you're interested in something, whether it's a work project, hobby, or sport, you're all in. You often push yourself to extremes to get that adrenaline rush and feel truly alive. That's totally percent accurate. Whether it's this podcast, my blog, mental uh, speaking on mental health, being a mental health advocate, um, in the gym, working out, um, just my views on stuff that goes on in the world or whatever. I've been crazy intense and passionate and a lot of people will perceive it as me going to the extreme, but I don't see it that way. I just look at it like this is me. This is how I feel. This is what I want to do. And that's what's going to happen. Back to the reminder. There's no halfway with you. If your career doesn't excite you, then there's a clear sign to move on and find something that does. And that's accurate. Um, but being as though, you know what I'm saying, um, I don't control every aspect of this world or whatever. I, you know what I'm saying? It's difficult to try to control every point in time of me uh, trying to switch my career or my job or, or something like that. So everything is always in, is in within reason because, you know what I'm saying, you just don't control. One individual person can't control everything in this in this world. But, yeah, there's definitely an intense feeling that I have and crazy thoughts all the time of me just being like, you know what I'm saying, this shit ain't, I ain't feeling this no more. I ain't feeling this person no more. I ain't feeling feeling this thought. I ain't feeling, I'm moving the fuck on, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> if, it, if it's not exciting me no more, if I'm not getting um, any stimulation mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, I'll move on to the next thing. That's just how I've always been. Back to the reminder. You're incredibly intense and willful. No one tells you what to do, stands in your way, or dictates the terms of your life. I 
anybody who truly knows me, and I'm saying truly knows me, intimately knows me, know that I don't like people telling me what the fuck to do. Um, but once again, that's within reason. Like, you know what I'm saying? I do understand the dynamics of certain situations or spaces that I'm in that I do have to, quote unquote, take orders. But I still do it on my terms, meaning that you can tell me, yeah, um, I need you to do this. And this is how you may have trained me or showed me how to do it. But I'm going to make it my own. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to take what you showed me and I'm going to make it better in my eyes. Or I'm going to make it more efficient, which in turn usually <laughs> and I'm saying usually, which is not 100 percent, but usually I do make it better. <laughs> um, the side of you is your ideal public self. No, it's, this side of you is your ideal public self. It's also how you're intended to approach your career. And like I said, that's one of the things that I've gone back and forth with, with trying to find a. Um, it's been plenty of times where I've dimmed, quote unquote, dimmed my light or suppressed my personality or how I really felt in the situation or whatever, because I didn't want to rock the boat. And then, like I said, I'm not the ruler or the controller or the leader of every situation in space. So you have to play the part. You know what I'm saying? You have to play the game in certain situations, which is what I've learned to do. But I do hold on to things and wait and, and hold on to it to wait to pick my shots. <laughs> um, it may not be how friends perceive you or how you understand yourself, but there's a style to the way you operate in the world. Ideally, you're able to direct your strong passions and incredible energy into doing meaningful work. And yeah, that like e even with like um the podcast or you know my blog and being a quote unquote mental health advocate and the speaking engagements that I've had and stuff like that. I always approach it with just being myself, even though I, I go back and forth and struggle with it. But when I go back and forth and struggle with it, that's because I'm focusing on other people that's doing some similar things to me. And I start comparing myself. And then when I start doing that, I, I take myself away from who I really am or who I want to be or how I really how I want to handle the situation and try and try to do it. I want to say try to do it or I get caught up into just the the comparing and stuff like that. And um, one of the things that I've I've struggled with from time to time is um, particularly with the podcast and the mental advocacy and stuff like that and dealing with social media and stuff, seeing people that I that's that have started out doing the same time as me doing the same things. And but. Now, in this present moment, we're in two different places and them and then uh, majority of the people that I see being in a, a much more higher position than me based off of how society perceives it with followers and and stuff like that or views or likes and stuff like that. So that's that's something that usually takes me away from what is being talked about right here. But and that's one of the reasons why um, 
I'm, I've taken the social media break that I have and I really don't know when I'm going to get back on it because I've, I've wasted a lot of, um, I feel that I've wasted a lot of time, um, focusing on others as opposed to working on myself, developing myself and progressing myself. But back to the reminder, it says with your strength and authority, you know, you can make anything happen. And I truly feel like that. I feel like you can put anything in front of me and I'm going to figure it out because, I mean, I the more and more that I've I've um, healed depressed through the, the depression that I struggle with and the more and more that I have made different choices when the anxiety that I, I've dealt with um, gets triggered, I see more and more how consistent that I've been being with, you know what I'm saying, getting through certain situations or completing certain tasks and, and stuff like that. So I feel like you can put anything in front of me and I'll I'll get it done. I'll figure it out. I'll get it done. I have the I have enough confidence in myself to to know that despite, you know what I'm saying, the the small amount of nervousness or anxiety of the the not knowing. But back to the reminder, it says with your strength and authority, you know, you can make anything happen. Even if you don't say a word, your dominance and strength are felt and understood. And like I said, like ju just that last sentence, even if you don't say a word, your dominance and strength are felt and understood. And that's always been a thing. Like even when I've been in rooms or whatever, I've been the quietest person in the room. But somehow the attention always gets brought to me or something like that or, you know, what I'm saying whether positively or negatively, you know, what I'm saying my presence has always been felt even when I haven't said a word. And I love that about me. That's one of the things I truly love about me, because I, I've seen plenty of people in these same spaces as me doing so much of a performative act or being the 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 class clown or the jokey jokey person or the you know what I'm saying best dressed or whatever but I've always maintained my presence despite saying a word and it's not to compare my presence against anyone else but just my presence has always been been felt and seen without me saying anything it says there's just an aura about you. You're tapped into your power and enjoy being in control. You know what you want and will go after it despite what anyone says. And that is very true. I love being <laughs> I love being in control. And I know it's, it's limits to that. You know, I already spoke about that um, earlier with the, you know what I'm saying, the fact that I can't control every situation. I'm not the leader in every situation or anything. But I can always control can control myself so you know even if i can't if i'm not in control of the the full situation or other people or whatever i'm always in control of myself and when when i'm when i'm not focused on everybody else i'm fully in into it you know what i'm saying i'm fully into that role of me just being tapped into my power and all of that 
It says, in your personal life and intimate relationships, you might exhibit a very different side of yourself. In fact, it might be the opposite of your outward-facing self. But what you show the world is your intensity and willpower. And that's very true. Like, like I already said, the people who really know me, like intimately know me, and it's a lot of people that may think they, they intimately know me, but there's not. There's maybe a handful or, you know what I'm saying, less than my one hand, my one left hand that I'm holding up right now for the YouTube <laughs> watchers. Like, my five fingers is probably less than my five fingers, people that really intimately know me, that know that I have a totally different side outside of when I'm in spaces, you know what I'm saying, just random spaces, you know what I'm saying, whether it be work or random social spaces or you know what I'm saying? Just just whatever. You know what I'm saying? But that's one thing that I do I do love about myself. I love that, you know what I'm saying? It's I'm very I'm a very well rounded person. Um uh and I definitely um hold back. I'm definitely not as vulnerable as I may seem on this podcast and on my blog and stuff. You don't even know half of, you know what I'm saying, the vulnerability that I showed those intimately, those those very, you know what I'm saying, those, those select few people that, that know that side of me. Do I wish I could show that to more people? Of course. But everybody isn't warranted that, you know what I'm saying, the, the, the stuff that I've experienced in my life and seen in my life and stuff like that, everybody is not worthy of, of you know what I'm saying, that intimate side that true intimate and vulnerable side of me whatever but um back to the reminder it says you want your work to catalyze the people around you and get a reaction taking them deeper than you've ever gone before and this is what this podcast is about you know what i'm saying that's why it's called a taste to consider because i'm talking i'm giving you many tastes I'm talking about any and everything that i'm into any and everything that i come across that i find interesting or thought-provoking i want to challenge myself as well as challenge other people i don't want this cookie cutter podcast shit that we see 24 7 on social media you know what i'm saying and i'm not trying to to judge that shit or anything like that but i just look at it like a lot of that shit is not real it's not authentic the shit is performative it's not it's not helping anything it's not pushing the meter it's not it's not doing nothing but is is only keeping us in the same repeated cycles over and over again. I'm trying to be the type of person that's going to guide us to different spaces, to different avenues, to different thoughts, to different perspectives, to you know what I'm saying? That's what this podcast is all about. That's what I've always been about. I've I've not I've, I'm not trying to follow the leader or follow the crowd. I'm not trying to be a sheep. I'm trying to be the shepherd. <laughs> um, your passion and drive should be inspiring. Anything that sparks the energies of others is exciting and healthy for you. And I'm going to screenshot this because that is something that is already in the works with one of my blog posts. Yeah. Um, I hear people all the time tell me how inspirational I am, how I inspire them and stuff like that. 
Um, it could be overwhelming at times, and sometimes um, I don't believe it. Um, sometimes I struggle with feeling as though that I'm worthy of that. But that goes back to, you know, the things that I've dealt with, with depression and stuff like that. And, and me just working through um, and building new habits and, and, you know what I'm saying, thought patterns um, that, you know what I'm saying, that are is consistently worked on every day. <laughs> um, it says you thrive in a creative environment, especially one where you make up the rules. Yes, indeed. I, <laughs> you see, you see, uh, no pun intended, but you see the pattern here. I like to be in control because I, one thing I definitely like, I'm definitely confident in myself when it comes to creative aspects. Like, and one of the things that I've seen about, you know what I'm saying? One of the things that have been confirmed and I've seen and about myself doing my social media hi hiatus, it's been a month and a week so far now, is that I've been way more creative. I mean, the blog post and all that other stuff. I've been giving, I've been giving people wonderful, great ass ideas with for their businesses, for their talents and stuff like that. And nobody has to tell me that they're great. I know they're great. <laughs> like I'm, I'm tapped in more and more with my, with my higher self, with my, with my inner self. You know what I'm saying? More tapped in with with God and stuff with being away from social media because I've been doing more of the things that has been keeping me close to, you know what I'm saying, my myself or whatever. And and God and stuff like that. And I am a very creative person. Very creative. I may not be able to be all artsy and draw and, and do all the all the have all the skills necessary that that's related to creativity but my mind just be my mind be rolling when i'm on it and i i love that about about me like i'll be giving i need to start charging people for the ideas that i be giving them because they be making money off that jump <laughs> well it says um it's important for you to have ownership over your schedule and time and have the ability to shape your task as you see fit and that is very true. First burp. Um, I don't love being in control to say that I'm the leader or to boss people around or whatever. It's just because I feel in certain spaces, in certain moments or whatever, that I'm much more tapped. And I know... With me saying this, people still not going to necessarily get it. They still going to see it as it being arrogant and stuff like that. But, and I'm far from an arrogant person. Um, <laughs> but when I'm on it, I'm on it. And I I definitely know how to defer. But when I'm on it, I know I'm on it. And if people can rock with it, I'm going to move along and do it myself. Or share it with somebody who is receptive to it. Um, it says you work best when you're truly engaged with the job at hand and able to channel your passions. Whatever you do should make you feel alive. Yes. Very accurate. Everything I've been saying. Very accurate. <laughs> uh, it says owning and expressing this intense side of you to the world and then your career is how you'll feel most fulfilled and make your best contribution. 
And that's if if I don't feel like I'm tapped in, if I don't feel like I'm I'm totally in it, then I won't give my 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 thoughts on on uh, on something, or I won't feel very creative, or um, I will I will do it, but I I won't feel as confident with with it. And then in turn, if I'm not feeling as confident, then of course it is going to people aren't going to receive it very well because I don't have that passion behind it. And that's one of the things, another thing that I, that I've been, um, being more aware of and working on more and more is just when, when, when I know it, just be confident about it, say it, do it, whatever. Yeah. And that's it. And that's that was the pattern reminder. And yeah, <laughs> that shit was that shit was so accurate. But um, I'm going to just get right into it with this blackity black woke segment. Um, I, I actually sat down today before uh, a pregame and wrote out a outline <laughs> for the show um, because I just didn't want to keep doing it. Um, I just didn't want to keep freestyling it. So I got. I got my um <laughs> I got my outline right here and we gonna get started with it. So let me pull up the first things. Uh let me see. Let me pull up the first things that I'm gonna get into. This is the blackity black woke segment. Uh, I got a clip to start it off. So let me pull that up. And here we go. Hmm? Yeah, I said it. <laughs> yeah, Democrats. They demons like mama. That's a tired coin, eh? Yeah, yeah, Democrats. You motherfuckers think we just supposed to vote for a Democrat because we black. Nigga, I might vote for Trump next go round. Keep fucking around, Biden. Keep fucking around. When you gonna when you gonna when you gonna sign the law uh the leave niggas alone law? Just like you did in two weeks. Sign you nigga leave the maze alone line. Remember that? Agents getting fucked. Nigga, you you wrote leave them agents alone law. Well, my people are being killed, murdered in mass shootings by these crazy motherfucking neo-Nazi cracker, crazy-ass white children, motherfucking gun-toting sons of bitches. When, when you fuck you gonna write that law? Leave niggas alone, law. See, then ain't gonna be no argument. When you kill each other, uh, 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 yourselves. Yeah? And y'all killing each other yourselves. And agents killing each other themselves. Mexicans killing each other themselves. You kill where the fuck you live. Yeah, I just wanted to play that clip. I came across that clip and I was like, I'm about to, I'm about to play this clip. <laughs> that was a comedian, Eddie Griffin, um, talking about, you know what I'm saying, the bullshit. The bullshit with the Biden administration and all that other stuff. But, yeah. Y'all boy Joe Biden and his wife Jill Biden quadruple vaxxed. Both came down with COVID. Y'all boy Joe Biden caught that. He had a he had a relapse of, of COVID a couple of days after his first 
his first stint with it. And I'm just like, man, this shit this, this shit is ridiculous, man. Like <laughs> this damn COVID shit, this juice and all this other stuff, man. Uh I'm tired of talking about it, but they keep bringing this stuff up. Just like, was it today or yesterday, the Pfizer CEO talked about how he came down with it. And he's he was quadruple vaxxed. You know what I'm saying? He had the juice four times, but he still caught that joint. Talking about some I got mild symptoms and all this other stuff. Four juices ain't help you not get it. <laughs> Bruh. Four juices and you still got it. But they still try and pump this joint out like it's just, you know, a a savior or something. Oh my. I just had to mention that. You you know, I had to mention. But uh <laughs> moving along. Quadruple vaccine. Quadruple juiced. Four times juiced. Now, damn, I ain't wanna say the I ain't wanna say those two words, but now my junk gonna have that little um that little uh label on it on the on the streaming app now because <laughs> i said those two words but um it was it was some facts released about the um about the juice um the mrna juice and it says uh the mrna juice cannot give someone the disease or other illnesses mrna juices do not use any live virus so my thing is like isn't wasn't all vac i could have swore like all vaccines had some form of the virus in it you know what i'm saying because that's that's how your immune system gets accustomed to it and oh that's neither here nor there okay Back to it says mRNA juices cannot cause infection with the virus that causes the disease or other viruses. So why is a trip? Why is a four-time juice person still getting the <laughs> the disease? I'm confused. I'm confused. All right. Back to it, it says. They do not affect or interact with our DNA. You know, that's been a big thing for, you know, the conspiracy conspiracy theory folks and stuff like that, saying how the mRNA um, affects and interacts with your DNA or whatever. I've mentioned plenty of times and spoke on, played videos from, you know what I'm saying, scientists and stuff like that that says that it does or whatever. But, you know what I'm saying, that's neither here or there. So it says mRNA from these juices do not enter the nucleus of the cell where our DNA, um, parentheses, genetic material is located. So it cannot change or influence our genes. But there's been so many studies out there for the people who've really paid attention to it and hasn't, you know, has had an open mind on hearing all sides of this situation. There's been plenty of studies and stuff that says otherwise. 
So this last um this last part is very interesting. And I'm a I'm after I read it, I'm gonna tell you why. It says the mRNA and the spike protein do not last in the body. Our cells break down mRNA from these vaccines and get rid of it within a few days after vaccination. Scientists estimate that the spike protein, like other proteins in our bodies, create may stay in the body up to a few weeks. So what's interesting about that last part I read was that when they first released the facts about the mRNA code, the mRNA juice juices, <laughs> that last part was was relevant, right? So then a few days afterwards, then they X'd it out and took it out of the facts about the mRNA juice. Interesting. I just wanted to point that out. So it says the U.S. CDC appears to have deleted the statement that the, quote, mRNA and the spike protein do not last long in the body from their website. And that was from August 13, 2022. So the CDC also released another new thing. It says new guidance from CDC focuses on individual decisions for the disease. It's is here go to the four bullet points. Those exposed to the virus are no are no longer required to quarantine. Unvaccinated people now have the same guidance as vaccinated people. Students can stay in class after being exposed to the virus. It is no longer recommended to screen those without symptoms. This is the new guidance from the CDC. So basically, they finally admitted that the juice does not stop the spread of the disease. <laughs> well, they still trying to push it. Yeah, I've been quadruple juiced and my symptoms are mild, such and such and such. So it got to the point where the CDC had to be like, well, we can't keep lying, so we got to release this. But then you got these politicians and the CEO of Pfizer and other people who have been investing in the money making portion of this juice keep pushing it I don't know if it was it was I don't know if it was the Pfizer I meant to uh add it to my outline but I, I totally forgot it was one of the CEOs of the manufacturers of of one of the juices Pfizer Moderna one of them and he recently did an interview and he came out and said that he has millions of juices that he has to throw away because people don't want to take them. So it's always like this whole situation from the beginning was weird and like one of the, one of the one of the main people who was pushing for this or whatever was doctors. And 
from our minds, we look at it like, you know what I'm saying, doctors, they're experts and stuff like that. But when it comes down to it, doctors, I'm not a doctor, but I'm speaking on what I know and it's relevant. (laughs) Doctors, they go to school to learn how to treat stuff. They don't go to school to prevent any diseases or anything like that. That's not what they do. They go to learn how to treat diseases and whatever else you want to call it in the in that medical field. So when it comes down to it, you have to look at doctors like what they do is a trade. Because they're only trained on a certain aspect of this this arena, this medical arena, this medical field. The medical a large part of the medical field, if not all of it, is a trade. They have been taught a trade, and that trade is a particular skill on how to treat diseases or wounds or whatever. And you can go through certain aspects of medical doctors, uh, whether they're surgeons or something like that, and they'll have their their um what they call it their uh their specialty and their specialty is like even if you have a surgeon a heart surgeon he was trained on on the basics of treating certain diseases sicknesses and stuff like that but his specialty in that trade is being a heart surgeon just just like he goes in and fixes somebody's heart or you have another surgeon, a neurosurgeon. They go in and work on somebody's brain. That's just like a mechanic. They go in and fix an engine or fix a transmission and stuff. like That is a trade. So doctors aren't scientists. Right. But we would we would take in the word of these doctors like they were Bible. But a lot of these doctors, if not all of them. They push certain medicines, you know what I'm saying, medications and, and, and vaccines and whatever. You see the commercials all over the, the TV. Every regular scheduled program you sit down to watch, you going to see about five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten <laughs> commercials for a damn medicine. Whether it's a psychiatrist, psychiatrist, um, uh, uh, a regular, uh, what they call them damn doctors, uh, primary care doctors or whatever. They push certain medicines and they push them because they get an incentive from those companies to push that medicine. So that's why um, I'll, I'll use an example. Like when I... When I went and um, decided I was going to take medication for my anxiety, when I was sitting with the psychiatrist, she was pushing this one medication like hell. She gave me options on the certain medications I could take for my anxiety, right? But she was dead set on pushing this one particular medication. 
Why? Because she gets an incentive from it. So these these doctors were getting incentives from pushing this this juice. That's why if you really paid attention to all the whole the whole aspect of when the the pandemic was going on and they were talking about the juice and the disease and stuff like that. You saw more scientists breaking away and having issues with the juice as opposed to doctors. More scientists were having a problem with the juice and saying that we need more studies. And like even when I reported um, when I talked about that report of the the uh, FDA scientists quitting because they didn't agree with how they were being forced to push the uh, the juice through to be um, released to the public. Scientists are totally different than doctors. They're totally two different things. Scientists, they actually go through and test. They actually test things and figure out, you know, you've been in science class before when you was in in school and you went through your science project and you had to test you had to test you started out with your hypotheses but you had to test to see if that hypothesis was true doctors don't do that doctors are trained to be in one specific area which is a trade it's totally different totally different and I think that a lot of people don't understand that doctors are. This here's another example. Doctors go to a four year university where they're maybe a biology major or something like that. So after they get that four year degree, they aren't doctors, right? No. What do they have to do? They have to go to medical school, which is a trade school. Just like when a mechanic goes to a mechanic school, when a beautician, a hairdresser goes to cosmetology school, makeup artist goes to cosmetology school, an esthetician or whatever it's called go to the esthetician school, whatever it's called. You see what I'm saying? That's why it's similar to lawyers. Lawyer, law, what do they do after their four-year degree? They go to law school. That's a trade school. It's a trade school. Being a doctor is a trade. Being a lawyer is a trade. Being a mechanic is a trade. Being a beautician is a trade. A cosmetology trade. Massage therapist, that is a trade. They are trained in that specific field. All right, let me move on. Um <laughs> Um, yeah, doctors, you know what I'm saying? They only know what they've been taught. So, uh, where am I at right now? Okay, so moving away from all this this juice talk and all that other stuff, um, this is a clip that I wanted to play last week, but I didn't get to. Um, but I'm going to play it now because I thought it was interesting. Um, this is about uh, Breonna Taylor. And uh, it's a tiktok that i ran across but i believe is is very is is very uh telling so uh let me pull this clip up let me go through and find it all right burp number two here we go 
so it took everyone two years to figure out that I was right. Earlier today, I spoke with the family of Brianna Taylor. This morning, they were informed that the Justice Department has charged four current and former Louisville Metro Police Department officers with federal crimes related to Ms. Taylor's death. The mayor of Louisville, Kentucky started a hit squad to harass people of color in poor neighborhoods. The house that Breonna Taylor was renting from was sitting in the middle of a gentrification project that the mayor's developer buddies need to get rid of before they could start construction. So after cops arrested an actual drug dealer 10 miles and 10 minutes after, they faked a search warrant to go harass Breonna Taylor. Those alleged crimes include civil rights offenses, unlawful conspiracies, unconstitutional use of force, and obstruction offenses. We allege that the defendants knew their actions in falsifying the affidavit could create a dangerous situation. Yeah, the dangerous situation was getting Breonna Taylor shot so the city could buy her house for a dollar. What, you thought I made that number up? Without a lawful objective justifying the use of deadly force, defendant Hankison traveled away from Ms. Taylor's doorway to the side of the building and fired 10 shots into Breonna Taylor's apartment through a bedroom window and a sliding glass door that were both covered with blinds and curtains. Yeah, remember all those Blue Lives Matter people talking about, oh, Breonna Taylor's boyfriend shot one round first and then all the cops were returning fire. That's not what happened. One cop went to the side of the house and emptied a mag into a window. Yeah, you clowns are trying to be like, oh, the cops are scared for their lives, trying to give them qualified immunity when one dude literally went to the side of the house to do a hit job. So it took everyone two years to figure out. Yeah, so, like, this is on record. Like, they can't hide it anymore that this shit was a setup. This shit was on purpose. And this ain't nothing new for the black community. Like, this stuff has been done to us over decades where they purposely have tried to push black people out of certain neighborhoods, um, whether it be businesses or homes and stuff like that, so they can take it over and gentrify it. But it's just a sad that, you know what I'm saying, once again, another black person, innocent black person, had to lose their lives because somebody's trying to make some fucking money or they don't want black people living in, in that neighborhood no more. Moving along to um, another story that I came across. Um, it says, Yale researchers asked teachers to look at a video of preschoolers and click when they saw misbehavior. There was no misbehavior. It was actually an eye-tracking study to see who they watched the most. White and black. White and black teachers spent significantly more time watching the black boy now let me pull the clip up teachers at yale showed teachers this video clip of four preschool students their instructions look for misbehavior and click when you see it the study was kind of deceptive none of the kids in the video actually misbehaved the researchers were using eye-tracking software. What they actually wanted to study was who the teachers were watching. Both black and white teachers spent significantly more time watching the black boy in the video. This study showed that even preschool teachers can treat kids differently based on their race without even realizing it. Look elsewhere in the U.S. school system, and you'll see this show up in other ways, like at this middle school in Bryan, Texas. They gave students tickets for offenses like disrupting class or using profanity. 
black students were four times more likely than white students to receive those tickets. Nationwide, black boys miss way more school due to suspensions than any other group. And this can start a kind of chain reaction. Missing weeks of school due to suspensions makes students much more likely to drop out. Without a diploma, you're much less likely to earn a living wage and much more likely to be incarcerated. All this missing school is helping to drive the highest poverty and incarceration rates in the developed world. So it's worth asking, how'd we get here? The school to prison pipeline. And this is what pisses me off when I be on when I was on social media and I saw a lot of people talk about some black men have uh black men are um benefiting from quote unquote patriarchy. But let me get back to the study real quick. When they showed the video of the teachers looking at the uh black boys, it was all women, white and black women. Even the black women was looking at the black boys. This is very telling. Um, but yeah, here we go. Demonizing little kids. Demonizing little kids and then setting them up for failure. We are set up for failure from the time that we are born. Point blank and period. I'm talking about black boys that grow up to be black men. Black men that still have that little black boy inside of them because we're demonized. We're looked at as not human. We looked at as a threat no matter what. I mean, <laughs> this shit is fucking annoying. Like, I wasn't going to record today. Uh, like I already said, I was going to chill. I was just going to take a break and relax or whatever. But... I already had this 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 clip or whatever on hold, right? But what I'm about to play next, which is very relevant to this, is what sparked me to say that I'm going to record today because I'm pissed off. <laughs> I'm pissed off. I'm tired of this bullshit. I'm tired of this bullshit. So. Let me get to it. I can't, I was, I was on, like I said, even though I'm off social media and that's, that's me, uh, I'm off social media as far as me posting on, on, um, on my, my page as well as in my story. Cause I only use Instagram and Twitter. Um, so I haven't been doing none of that, but like I've already said, I still get on there from time to time and I curated my timeline in a way, particularly on Instagram, because you can only do that on Instagram. Um, but I've done it in a way where I still go to certain um, or I'll see the pages that I usually find uh, content from, whether it be political content, relationship shit, therapy stuff. Um religious spiritual all that you know what i'm saying so i already have my timeline curated so when i when i scroll i see what i need to see for my show and then i get off so i was on twitter and i kept seeing this clip but i didn't pay no attention to it because i thought it was just um another clip on some relationship stuff because 
from from just the view of it, it was a black woman talking. And and with me scrolling the um kind of the um I'm trying to find the term um the body language that I saw from the black woman in the clip I didn't listen to it or anything but the clip went viral so I've, I saw it several times several times on Twitter but the body language from it I thought it was just another relationship clip of a, a black woman complaining about a black man honestly and then I would see people um retweet it and quote certain things on it which made me assume that yeah it's about some some uh petty relationship stuff so eventually i saw the clip again and i saw a different retweet quote retweet and it started talking about therapy so i was like okay so what what's this about so i finally clicked on the clip so I'm gonna play the clip for you and you can hear what led me to take it much more seriously. Here we go. You need to expand your emotional vocabulary. It's so your life can be easier. Don't you wanna be able to able to communicate? Let me start it over again because the the first part was missed. Okay, here we go. I'm gonna start the clip again. And if you don't hear it again, she starts off by saying black men. Okay, but here we go. Say you need to expand your emotional vocabulary. It's so your life can be easier. Don't you want to be able to communicate with your bitch? I think, I think yes, right? Long gone are the days where you can just shut down. Bitches is not tolerating that. Like... It used to be where men provided financially or with Schmeet and bitches can make their own self come and we can pay for our own shit. So I'm going to need y'all to catch up on the emotional part. If a bitch is telling you, I need you to communicate more, open your fucking mouth. But you know what I realized? And let me let me back up. Let me back up. A common misconception about me as a clinician is that 90 percent of my clientele have been men black men specifically. And what we specifically work on is expanding their emotional vocabulary because a lot of y'all motherfuckers don't even have the words to express how you're feeling. So when you expand your vocabulary and knowledge of what you are experiencing because y'all are human beings who experience feelings and emotions and don't have to choke that shit down no more. Y'all ain't had to choke that shit down since 2016. Anyway, if y'all are not in therapy, expanding your emotional vocabulary, your life just off top is going to be more difficult. When you expand your emotional vocabulary, you expand your awareness of yourself. When you expand your emotional vocabulary, you understand how you can navigate in this bitch. This fucking weird ass world that is so hard on y'all. Like, let's acknowledge that the world is very difficult for y'all, but y'all are not making it any easier, bro, bro. You're not. When bitches are telling y'all to go to therapy, it's not for us. It's for y'all sad motherfuckers. Go to therapy. Talk about that shit that's on your chest. You don't have to choke that shit down no more. Y'all are doing a disservice to yourself. And so let me, let me, let me sum this shit up. Y'all told bitches to elevate our standards. 
And at the cost of us elevating y'all standards, y'all got axed because y'all didn't elevate either. Bitches are not tolerating emotional abuse, emotional neglect. Step it up. Go talk to somebody. Go expand your emotional vocabulary so your life can be better, bitch. All right. Go in peace. <laughs> okay. So, I played the full clip. And I'm going to go through it again. But my first thoughts is, like, I was angry. I was, um, I was angry. <laughs> you want to talk about emotional vocabulary. I was angry. I was pissed. Um, and this is not the first black woman therapist that has made videos like this. Like, I've seen several before. Um, and this is, is crazy that. I'm just like, and this is where social media is just not good because everybody wants to be extra. Everybody wants to be performative. Everybody wants to go viral. Everybody thinks doing outrageous dumb shit like this is cute. She's talking about vocabulary, but all she's doing is just keep cussing. She looked like she probably in her maybe mid to late 20s and she's a therapist right well i'm gonna go through the clip again then i'm gonna you know what i'm saying stop and stop and discuss and play um but yeah <laughs> oh have mercy let me play the clip again say you need to expand your emotional vocabulary it's so your life can be easier don't you want to be able to communicate with your bitch and i'm gonna stop right here because um and this is one thing that i've talked about plenty of times before how you know what i'm saying it, it is very true that uh men aren't as tapped into their emotions as women are but but just because women are tapped into their emotions does not mean that they are emotionally mature. And we have a clear example of someone who may know in this in this we're talking again a clinician, a, a somebody who, you know, what I'm saying went to school to learn a trade, to learn skills, to treat somebody else just because you're more you may be more emotionally intelligent does not mean you're emotionally mature she's not emotionally mature you can obviously hear and if you if you've seen the video you can see her body language and how she's acting and stuff that she's very immature She's very immature and she obviously has an issue with black men. I think, I think yes, right? Long gone are the days where you can just shut down. Bitches is not tolerating that. Like, it used to be where men... She don't even have enough respect for herself or other black women to, to speak about them in a proper manner in a respectful way 
and provided financially or with Schmeet and bitches can make their own self come and we can pay for our own shit. So like, what is she talking about? What does making money, making yourself come have to do with mental health? She just rambling. Well, I'm gonna need y'all to catch up on the emotional part. If a bitch- See, how do you go from talking about financial aspect and sex and stuff and talking about some us catching up with our emotions? What does that have to do? Those things don't have to do with <laughs> with each other. What the hell does that have to do with anything? Just telling you, I need you to communicate more. Open your fucking mouth. Who will want to? What man in his right mind will want to communicate? Even even the men that I know that's not in their total right mind would not want to communicate with with no woman that acts or speaks this way do you know what i realized and let me let me back up let me back up a common misconception about me as a clinician is that 90 percent of my clientele have been men black men specifically and what we specifically work on is expanding their emotional vocabulary because a lot of y'all motherfuckers don't even have the words so <laughs> you're supposed to be helping people, but then in turn, you calling them motherfuckers. To express how you're feeling. So when you expand your vocabulary <laughs> and knowledge of what you are experiencing, because y'all are human beings who experience feelings and emotions and don't have to choke that shit down no more. Y'all ain't had to choke that shit down since 20. That little part that she just said was probably the only um, accurate thing that she said at this point. It was accurate, but it's just coming off totally wrong. And who wants to deal with her? Who who will want who I would I would hate to be going to her for therapy and then run across her TikTok page and see this shit. Like I will report her ass <laughs> because there's no way that I'm I'm sitting here going to allow her to keep treating somebody, and you have this shit in the back of your mind, which is how you really feel about your patients, the people you're supposed to be helping. Damn, I done lost my point of the video i gotta find it again bear with me I'm, I'm sorry let me see let me see if i can find the exact point let me see it's going to be a little bit behind but it's, it's fine larry because a lot of y'all motherfuckers don't even have the words to express how you're feeling so when you expand your vocabulary and knowledge of what you are experiencing because y'all are human beings who experience feelings and emotions and then the fact that she's making it seem as though that she's forgetting the fact that she's an actual therapist and that she went to school for mental health, mental illness, all that stuff. And understanding that a lot of people, damn near everybody who goes through something doesn't necessarily understand why they're going through it. They don't understand what they're going through, why they're going through it, why they're feeling what they're feeling, why they're perceiving certain things, why they have this perspective. Like, there's a point in time where everybody who has shown up to therapy didn't understand 
themselves. They didn't understand their thoughts. They didn't understand their habits. They didn't understand their patterns. But she got this mentality that every man that has come to therapy is just supposed to know that, you know, I got these emotions and I I need to just, I just poof, I need to be healed from it. Or poof, I need to understand it. Poof, I need to see my habits. Poof, I need to see my patterns. And don't have to choke that shit down no more. Y'all ain't had to choke that shit down since 2016. Anyway. Man, I don't even know what the hell she's talking about with that dumb shit. 2016, I don't know. She just, I don't know. If y'all are not in therapy, expanding your emotional vocabulary, your life just off top is going to be more difficult. When you expand your emotional vocabulary, you expand your awareness of yourself. When you expand your emotional vocabulary, you understand how you can navigate in this bitch. This fucking weird ass world that is so hard on y'all. Like, let's acknowledge that the world is very difficult for y'all. So she does acknowledge that black men in this this world that we live in is terribly hard on the black man as a whole. But in turn, she is perpetuating that same systemic thought process, that same indoctrinated thought process. I mean... <laughs> But y'all are not making it any easier, bruh, bruh. You're not. When bitches are telling y'all to go to therapy, it's not for us. It's for y'all sad. And every woman who tells a man to go to therapy, they don't say it for the man's benefit. They say it for their benefit. Because one thing that is definitely noticeable about when, when some black women tell black men to go to therapy is because... They it's all about black men being accountable when it's time for them to go to therapy or when they should go to therapy. But when it's black women time to go to therapy and stuff like that is because they need to heal. They need they need self-care. They need to rise above the, the toxicity and all this other stuff. But only when about when it's about black men, it's about only being they the only ones that need to be accountable. Motherfuckers. Go to therapy. Talk about that shit that's on your chest. You don't have to choke that shit down no more. Y'all are doing a disservice to yourself. And so let me, let me, let me sum this shit up. Y'all told bitches to elevate our standards. I don't even know. I'm not even playing that part because I don't even know what she's talking about. And this, this is just the problem with, and, with social media, period. Like, and because mental health has become so trendy that you got... People like her, and this is not just black women therapists, this is black men therapists as well that's out here that want to be celebrities. They want to be social media celebrities. They want to be celebrities, period, based off of them putting out a quick little TikTok video or a quick Instagram reel or something like that. You know what I'm saying? This is why I've been saying for the past few episodes these people are human just like the patients that they see, the human beings that they see, the black men, the black women that they see. They just they human as well. So you got to be very careful about 
who you work with when it comes to your mental health. You got to vet these people like your life depending on it. Because when it comes down to it, your life does depend on it. Because these people who went to school got issues as well. Issues that they aren't addressing. They got traumas. They got shit that they... We got to stop putting these people with these titles or people with money or people with fame and celebrity and stuff on a pedestal as if they aren't human as well. I'm going to play another. I found another video that was interesting. It's another video from the same black therapist that I came across that just sums up the type of woman she is and the type of mentality that she has towards black men. She's not the only black woman therapist out here that is like this. And y'all know on a previous show, I, I played another black therapist, but I've seen plenty of other black therapists make videos like this. Black women therapists. She talking about vocabulary. All she do is cussing. But here we go. Let me play the second video, then I'm going to get back to the, the first video. I want to get something off my chest about the black man that thoroughly frustrates me. Can I do it? I'm going to fucking do it anyway. You know, my favorite flavor of ice cream is hardworking black man, but I can't seem to find that flavor in the stone no more. And I'm trying to figure out what the fuck why. In my experience, specifically when it comes to dating, black men just off top want bitches to submit, but provide nothing, but provide nothing to submit to. Nowadays, y'all don't even have the education or credentials to be talking to a bitch. Especially out the side of your neck. I found that in a lot of intimate relationships, there's this pit pat like competition of who makes the most and who does this and who does that when it should be a symbiotic relationship. Black men are so consumed with being dominant and being on top for what? At the cost of dimming your bitches shine. I was in a relationship with someone who said they no longer respected me the moment I started making more than them. Dirty behavior. I swear people just be making up shit because I swear they just be making up shit. But this is just more proof of the type of person that she is and how she sees black men. And this episode will be titled The Wanted, Unwanted Black Men Revisited. Because a few episodes ago, I made an episode about titled The Wanted, Unwanted Black Men. And I believe that episode was the episode where I had the other black therapist on there talking that bullshit. But there's there's always, you know what I'm saying, I always line things up. And there will be some context to all of this, um, if not already for some of you. But what what black man, I feel for the black men who have been going to her for therapy. You know, um, I wrote a blog the blog I wrote, I Am Persistent, and how I talked about how difficult it is on finding a therapist and, and the factors on finding a therapist, the money aspects of it, insurance, um, and just finding the right person for you, period. And it's difficult out. And 
And the longest time that I had to work with a therapist was with a black woman. And which I got a lot of work and healing and growth from. But it got to a point where I kind of felt like me and her wasn't connecting anymore. I started feeling as though that she wasn't paying attention to me. She wasn't paying attention to the things that I was saying, the things that I was going through, et cetera, et cetera. I can tell just based off of her body language um, from certain conversations that we were having and stuff like that. And and that's when I was like, I need to start going to a, a black male therapist. And even in the time that I've gone to a black male therapist, I didn't have good experiences on that because of the dynamic that black men have with each other. Some, you know what I'm saying, some black men have with each other or whatever. So it's very difficult out here to find the right therapist for you. And I'm not saying this to discourage anybody because this is just like any other relationship that you have in your in your life. You have to find what works for you. But it's just crazy because if the roles was reversed, if this was, if if it was black male therapists out here making videos like this about about black women patients, then hell would have broke loose. It would have it would have just been it would have been crazy what that black male therapist would have went through if he was doing the same shit. But because the way society views black men and treats black men and our own some of our own black women. Then it's acceptable for us to always be just looked at like a piece of shit, a piece of trash. A lot of black women project and internalize this shit on black men that didn't have nothing to do with what initially started their trauma or that gave started their bad experiences, et cetera, et cetera. And then you have a lot. I ain't going to say a lot. You have some black women that turn in that become therapists. And then start treating black men. So I. My my mind right now is just sitting here thinking, like, why don't these black women who just have this hatred and stuff towards black men just say, I'm only taking women clients? Why don't you just do that? Because if you can't be objective or be unbiased to actually help somebody, you you complain and all this other shit about black men, but you won't help them. Get away from what you perceive and what you complain about. This is straight up. You talk about misogyny. That's misandry right there. Misandry. And black women do. There's a there's some black women that do a lot of that shit. I just like fellas, we got to be very diligent in um, w- whatever type of relationship you have with a black woman. And I hate to say this. It's, it's, it, 
But even even the black women, even some black women know about the, these type of black women. <laughs> like, y'all know this. Some of them in your circle or you seen them on the street or you used to be that woman or used to, you know what I'm saying, be friends with that woman. You know it's women out here like that. And they will project and internalize everything when it comes to a black man. Like, the fact that black men already have a struggle with going to therapy and we already have a struggle or a difficult time or or we're hesitant to be vulnerable and open with a black woman because of experiences that we had of, of them um, using that stuff against us or, and stuff like that. But in turn, but then to see that there are black therapists out here doing the same thing that's supposed to be helping, that's just further keeping black men away from therapy. Because there are more black women therapists out here than there are black men therapists. And it's crazy because, like, even seeing the, the video all over the place on Twitter, and I went through the comments, and you'll see so many black women on there agreeing with what she said. And you'll see, you'll see black men on there, you know what I'm saying, arguing against what she said. And then you'll see black women commenting on the black man's comments and saying, well, just change the therapist or just, you know what I'm saying, saying some outlandish stuff that um, aligns with what that black woman therapist was saying. This shit is crazy. It's discouraging. It's fucking discouraging. To want to go to a black woman therapist or even want to be to deal with a black woman, period. It is discouraging. I'm just I'm just I'm just being honest. I'm just throwing out my first thoughts on on everything. And then with me in, in the in the space that I'm in right now, looking for a new therapist and. How the list that I have, I have more black women therapists on it than I do black men. And it's making me just want to just be like, fuck it. I don't even want to I don't even want to go to therapy no more. I don't want to go to therapy again. I don't. Because in the back of my mind, I'm always going to be wondering if my next therapist is a black woman. um, How does she really feel about me or how does she really feel about black men? It doesn't it just don't make sense. You want you want black men to change and you have the opportunity to help black men. But then you go on social media and talk shit about them. Man, I swear, man. And this is what every you got all these people on social media trying to be the next viral sensation or, you know, what I'm saying be all performative and and ass and titties and all that other stuff i swear social media is a hell of a drug bro but i mean and i mean we're content and it's not to sit here and just try to play the victim or anything like that because you know what i'm saying it's 
that's always the 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 first argument when it comes to uh, a black man speaking his truth or anything like that that he's trying to play the victim or some shit like that and you and just in that in that first video she admitted that black men are marginalized they're undervalued and all that other stuff but in turn you're doing the same thing and <laughs> you you're doing the job of the quote-unquote white man. You're doing the job of the system. You're doing the job of the races. You're doing the job of the people who don't want black men to be strong, to be the protectors, to be the heads, to be the leaders of their communities. Why? Because we are their biggest threat. But in turn, you're you're perpetuating the shit. You're doing their job for them. What what they always wanted you to do, but you but you looking at it as now a competition between black men and black women. Who's making the the most? Who's got the most degrees and all that other stuff? And then in turn, you look at it and just be like, well, that nigga lazy. He ain't no hustler, or he broke, or he ain't this, he ain't that, or whatever. And going back to that that Yale research, this shit is set up from the time we're born for us to be the underdogs. It's set up that way. <laughs> oh, man. It's frustrating. It's discouraging, man. It is very discouraging and frustrating. <laughs> Black men will forever be shitted on. And it's because the lack of Unity, the lack of understanding, the lack of compassion, the lack of empathy, the lack of grace from some black women. Y'all y'all doing the job for them. And I talked about this before plenty of times before, um, particularly on the episode of um, Still Lynch in 2020 when I spoke about the Willie Lynch letter. In the Willie Lynch syndrome, we collectively, as a community, we have a collective mental illness, and it starts from there, the Willie Lynch syndrome. And I'm gonna get into that real quick, but this is very—it made me very angry, made me very discouraged, made me very frustrated, and um, I'm kind of in a place like. I don't know. I'm I'm in a place right now where I mean, I already said that I'm not really sure about going back to therapy at this point or I'm going to have to really uh evaluate some different avenues and I might go back to a white therapist. <laughs> and that's sad, right? Because that seems to be um 
the avenue that some black people take, particularly when it comes to romantic relationships and stuff like that. And I'm going to get into that um, in a few as well. See how all of this is lining up? I'm trying to I'm trying to show the pattern of things and and how we set ourselves up for failure. We blame ourselves for the problem, but we are the problem. We get so caught up into these um collective mindsets and particularly when it particularly with uh some black women a, a lot of black women some black women have this collective mindset of black men that they can't see an individual black man and separate him from that collective mindset that they were programmed to think you know um She's basically speaking of that black woman therapist and any black woman therapist that thinks that way, they have a certain power that they're sitting in in that moment where they're treating a black man and they're asserting that power, that power. You know, that is that's that's a mental illness right there. That's a mental illness right there. Um. Let me see. Yeah. There's is no the wanted unwanted black man. Uh, I swear, I mean, we are hated <laughs> from all sides. And it's not even a competition of who who has the biggest struggle, black man or black woman, you know what I'm saying? And that and that's another problem right there. It's too much comparing of a struggle or whatever instead of just coming together. But I mean, when it comes down to it, the way the way that I'm feeling in this in this particular moment and me just watching that video and just thinking about certain aspects of my life and other black men's lives and going back to that Yale research video and stuff, black men, we just we got an uphill battle. We definitely have an uphill battle. And I'll just leave it at that. Um And once earned, and this is just another example, and once earned, they want black men to show emotions and stuff like that. But if we cry, we are vulnerable or open and stuff like that, it's used against us. We looked at it as a punk. We looked at it as a bitch. We looked at it as a soul, you know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. You know, this is what we have to deal with on a daily basis. The stuff I talk about on my podcast, the stuff I write on my blog, I have dealt with people looking at it as though that I'm playing the victim or I'm weak or I'm negative or I'm toxic and stuff like that. But I'm just telling my story. You know, I may not have a perfect life, but I'm very happy in the space that I'm in now. I'm very content and stuff like that. The stories and the things I talk about, the things I write about is not my full life but in turn the way people see it is because that's pretty much where they are right now so they will see it that way but yeah 
I often struggle with, you know, sharing a lot of the things that I do, writing on the blog, stuff on the podcast or whatever, because I've had, you know, fellow black men, black women or whatever, shun me for it. Um, But yeah, it's only so, so long that I could or can hold it in, you know, um, at this point. This who I am. This is a part of me. Um, like I talked about earlier, you know, um, I've gotten, even though I get that negative aspect of, you know, me sharing, being vulnerable and open about mental health and stuff like that, I also have the other side. So that keeps me going as well. But, you know, n- normally people gravitate towards negativity you know the world that we live in today they keep us in this space of negativity and fear and and all that other stuff so that's usually where people will gravitate to towards first some drama some negativity some toxicity and all that other stuff but um yeah let me move on from that black therapist stuff let me see where i'm at now um yeah just speaking about you know black men with the um Mental health and mental illness and stuff like that. Adrian Broner, boxer Adrian Broner, four-time world champion and all that other stuff. He was supposed to fight this Saturday coming up, and I was looking forward to that. But he, he recently came out and said that he was withdrawn from the fight because he's struggling with his mental health. And anybody who's known about Adrian Broner, you can tell that something is going on with him mentally and emotionally. But... You have so many people who have been coming out and and just shitting on him, fellow boxers and all that, saying that he's using mental health to get out of the fight and he's a bitch, he's a punk and all this other stuff and he didn't train properly or whatever. And, you know what I'm saying, certain aspects of that could be true. You know, particularly I'm just focusing on the training part. Maybe he didn't train all the way, but that could have something to do with his mental health. But then also, like I mentioned earlier, mental health is so trendy now. Everybody is using it. Everybody's using it. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody is benefiting from it in some degree. You know what I'm saying? It's not a lot of genuine, authentic people out here in the mental health field or uh, arena or space. But, you know, it's not for me to question anything like that because I know how people did me when I finally came out about my uh, mental health struggles or whatever. So it's not for me to be questioning whether he's lying about it or anything like that. But I do, I have seen signs and recognize certain things in him. I'm not a, a mental health clinician, but my experiences is, are just as valid. And he does struggle from mental health. And so I'm not going to question it, but I'm just bringing it up because of how people have been re- has been reacting to him. But. um, Yeah, I mentioned the. Um, but let me say, let me let me read this tweet first. And this is a tweet from a black male therapist that I follow. He's a. Um, he's he's a black male therapist in actually in my uh in my area but he's he's very um 
he has a following behind him and uh he posts a lot of good stuff and this one was something that is relevant to what i've been talking about so far and it says a lot of us men don't know how to love ourselves we just know how to do for ourselves there's a difference we're committed to completion of task which look like care slash love but there's little behind it besides checking the boxes love isn't about checking the boxes and that's very true and that's what men are all about because for one we have we've we've been taught to suppress our emotions and we we've been taught whether it be because you're a man you have to check boxes or because you have to impress women or provide for a woman and a family that you have to check boxes so we never had the luxury of actually learning how to care for ourselves or love for ourselves. Like I'm a homeowner, got a job, got a car, go to the gym and all that other stuff. And there's points and times of my life where all that stuff, all the stuff that I've done in my life, go to college, get a degree and all that other stuff is just about, it was just about checking boxes or it being routine or being because that's what society says a man should do. It's never it it were points in times where it was never about it's because it's something I wanted to do or something that I loved or something that I cared about. Even with just the the upkeep of myself, with me going to the gym. It it was certain portions and times of the 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 decade plus of years that I've been going to the gym that it wasn't just about me loving myself or anything. It was about me trying to check a box, trying to look a certain way, trying to impress somebody, trying to compete with somebody, et cetera, et cetera. I'm finally in the place now where I go to the gym because, you know, I actually enjoy doing it and it's actually beneficial to me physically as well as mentally and emotionally, you know? Um, but I struggle with that. I mean, I still have moments where I get caught up into those past struggles. And like I said, the stuff that we go through, we when we actually are um, in the process of um, healing and, and all that other stuff, we only ride. That stuff don't go away. We just rise above it. So it's still there and it will always be there to trigger you in certain aspects. Nobody can never fully heal themselves. And and I hate that the fact that that get that gets pushed out a lot. There will never be no fully healed person. There is not a fully healed person walking this earth. <laughs> there is not. Healing isn't linear. You will have certain stages and levels you know, the, that cliche term that was so popular at one time is levels to this. So there's levels to healing. There's levels to growth. There's levels to evolution. There's levels to habits. There's levels to patterns. There's just different stages of your life that you're sitting in, but it's the same thing. But yeah, um, just like shit. The perfect example. I've been saying to myself, I need to go get a massage. I need to go get a massage. I need to go get a massage. I've been in the gym crazy he heavy. My, you know what I'm saying? I, I've, I've recovered from some, 
some small um, injuries with my body in the process of being in the gym heavily. But I haven't really done anything else for the recovery portion, the recovery side, uh, you know what I'm saying, of my body with, you know, treating myself with a massage or a spa day or something. And even like mentally, emotionally, like um, I, at one point I was doing certain things, you know, for myself, you know, getting out, um, taking myself out on some solo dates and stuff like that. And I haven't really been doing that lately because I've just been so locked in on on trying to to check a box or finish some task or or something like that. And that was part of the, another reason why I had to get off of social media because I stopped committing certain things to myself. And and since I've been off social media, I've been more, I've been praying more, I've been writing more, journaling more, meditating more. Well, I've been meditating some. <laughs> I haven't been doing a good job with my meditating like I'm supposed to. I've been uh, heavily doing my mirror work, been doing my affirmations, I've been uh, reading more and stuff like that, you know. So, but I still can do better. But, you know, I'm not going to beat myself up on it. I just need to, you know, you know, do a little better. I would leave it there. So, to the uh, um, Willie Lynch syndrome portion, and I'm pulling, I'm pulling the book out, and I bought this book. You don't have to buy the book because you can just go on. I believe it's on the uh, Nation of Islam website. Um, it's titled "The Willie Lynch Letter and the Making of a Slave," and it's a certain. Um, portion of the letter that was broken down in in this book form of it and it says the breaking process of the african woman so take the female and run a series of tests on her to see if she will submit to your desires willingly test her in every way because she is the most important factor for good economics if she shows any signs of resistance in submitting completely to your will, do not hesitate to use the bull whip on her to extract that last bit of bitch out of her. Take care not to kill her, for in doing so, you spoil good economics. When in complete submission, she will train. When in complete submission, she will train her offspring in the early years to submit to labor when they become of age. I'm going to read that sentence again because that is the most important thing right now. And this is what I'm talking about with far as black women doing the job for the system and the quote unquote white man without them even understanding or knowing it. And this is why I say black people as a whole have a collective mental illness that we need to recover from. We ain't going nowhere. Fuck the money. It's plenty of black people out here with money, and we still in the same place. We still repeating the same cycles over and over again. But let me read this sentence once again. When in complete submission, she will train her offspring in the early years to submit to labor when they become of age. Understanding is the best thing. Therefore, we shall go deeper into this area of the subject matter concerning what we have produced here in this breaking of the female nigger. 
We have reversed the relationships. We have reversed the relationships. In her natural uncivilized state, she would have a strong dependency on the uncivilized nigger male. Let me read that again. In her natural, natural, uncivilized state, she would have a strong dependency, a strong dependency on the uncivilized nigger male, male. And she would have a limited protective dependency toward her independent male offspring and would raise female offspring to be dependent like her. So what they're saying is if they don't break these women, they didn't only buck break the men. They buck break, even though women are cons females aren't considered bucks when you think about, you know, an animal. But if they don't buck break this female nigger or this female bitch as, as what was wrote, then she will be dependent on the nigger male. In turn, raising her offspring, her female offspring, to be dependent on that nigger male like naturally she is. They understand the importance of the community and family dynamic of people. They understand that dynamic. So they don't want that. They didn't want that to be a part of black people. Let me get back to reading. It says nature had provided for this type of balance. Nature had provided for this type of balance. So what they're saying is that naturally that's how human beings, particularly speaking on black people, that's how they were not they would naturally be. That's just the natural order of things. Women will be dependent upon men. And in turn, those women will raise their other female females to be dependent upon men as well. So let me read that sentence again. Nature had provided for this type of balance. We reverse nature by burning and pulling one civilized nigger apart and bull whipping the other to the point of death, all in her presence. So right here, they're describing the buck breaking of the men. They buck break the men so bad. That the women don't feel that they can depend on that man or the man becomes so soft that he doesn't stand up for that woman. Back to the reading. By her being left alone, by her being left alone, by her being left alone, unprotected, with the male image destroyed, with the male image destroyed, the ordeal caused her to move from her psychological dependent state to a frozen independent state. Do you, do you hear what I'm reading? In this frozen psychological state of independence, she will raise her male, she will raise her male and female offspring 
in reversed roles for fear of the young male's life she will psychologically train him to be mentally weak and dependent but physically strong meaning he will be a slave a mental slave and a physical slave because she has become psychologically independent she will train her female offspring to be psychologically independent as well. What do you see all over social media? What is these arguments, these stupid ass videos and all these other posts that's going on and these dynamics today in, in the black community? We have no natural structure, no natural balance, no natural order of things. Because we have been trained psychologically to be this way. Black women, you're doing their job. This is not, this is by design. This is, this is by design. And this is not to say it's putting blame. It is trying to get you to understand that they are using you. Let me read it again. Because she has become psychologically independent, she will train her female offspring to be psychologically independent as well. What have you got? You've got the nigger woman out front and the nigger man behind and scared. This is a perfect situation for sound sleep and economics. Why? Because they ain't got to fit a black man no more. Because psychologically, he's weak. And the woman is in charge. The protector is out of the way. The man is out of the way. They have set this shit up from design. And we keep repeating the same cycle over and over again. Because we worried about what type of job he got. How much money he got. What can he provide? Who, why do I need to be submissive? Black men benef benefiting from patriarchy he ain't got enough degrees i got more degrees than him black women need to separate themselves from the shackles of that damn degree getting because for a lot of black women that is a trauma response that achievement shit It says, before the breaking process, we had to be alert and on guard at all times. Now we can sleep soundly, for out of frozen fear, his woman stands guard for us. He cannot get past her early infant slave molding process. He is a good tool now ready to be tied to the horse at a tender age. What a majority of the black households looking like. No man in it. Women raising boys. Supposed to be men. Women out here got so much hatred for the black man that they raising this black boy not to be the black man that they hate. And they don't even realize it. 
By the time a nigger boy reaches the age of 16, he is soundly broken in and ready for a long life of sound and efficient work and the reproduction of a unit of good labor force. Continually through the breaking of uncivilized savage niggers by throwing the nigger female savage into a frozen psychological state of independency, by killing the protective male image, and by creating a submissive dependent mind of the nigger male slave, we have created an orbiting cycle that turns on its own axis forever. We fighting amongst ourselves once they put the shit in place. Unless a phenomenon occurs and reshifts the positions of the male and the female savages. We show what we mean by example. Take the case of the two economic slave unit, units and examine them closely. This is one. This is two damn. This is what? One. One, two, four pages from this book, from this letter, the Willie Lynch letter and the making of a slave, the Willie Lynch syndrome. This is what the fuck we live in. But nah, Beyonce got an album out, Drake album out, whatever. Fuck. Um, let me get back to the show. I'm over two hours, but I'm gonna keep going. I don't even give a fuck no more. Um. I got some I got to finish this shit off. I'm about to get back on social media and I'm going to promote the hell out of this episode. I'm going to promote the hell out of this fucking episode. All right, I got another clip. And this speaks to exactly what I just read and what I've been talking about this episode. Pull this clip up. Delete this shit on my phone. All right. Here go the clip right here. The, the clip is titled, Another Black Woman on TikTok Announces That She Will Now Be Dating Outside Her Race. Y'all gonna cancel me, but um, today marks the day that I will be dating outside of my race. And I know what you're about to say. Aren't you pro-black? I am. But as a dark-skinned black woman, the most hate I get is from my own men. And me restricting myself to only dating black men is giving me little to no options. Because there's only like a small group of black men who actually like women like me. And trust me. I've been trying to educate black men about colorism, futurism, texturism my whole damn life. I do it on my platform every day. But a lot of them choose to stay dense and ignorant. And I'm sorry, but you're not about to ask me to wait for these men to stop being colorist. I cannot wait any longer for these men to stop the self-hatred. I want to go where I'm wanted. I'm tired of sitting in places where I'm not wanted and try to convince the people that I should be desired. I'm sorry, but I'm done with that. So from this day forward, Shakira, Shakira will be looking outside of her race when it comes to dating. Now she fucking lying. She's fucking lying. I'm point blank period saying it right now. She's fucking lying. She's she's a very attractive woman. I don't even consider her dark skin. She's brown skin. But this is the mentality right here. 
you ain't got a problem with it ain't the black man that got a problem with you that you you claim it is you got a problem with black men period that's what it is this projecting and and internalizing shit and trying to make it seem like it's the black man no you got a problem with yourself you got a problem with black men that's what it is should be lies man and this is what this social media shit is about it's about niggas just be saying niggas just be saying shit niggas just be saying shit trying to go viral just be on some performative ass shit she fucking lying this this video has gone viral as well so if you've seen this video you you definitely look at her and tell that she's fucking lying as attractive as she is she's lying She's projecting and internalizing shit. She's fucking lying. She's doing this shit for social media. Just go ahead and date a white man because that's all you're saying that you want to do. I talked about this plenty of times before on how it's been programmed for black women, women period, but black women also to look at white men as the knight in shining armor. That's all they brought up to see in these cartoons and everything. It's the savior. We have too many uh, things in this world coming up that has made it seem like the white man is the savior. We've seen it in movies. We've seen it in cartoons. Shit. A damn near a whole religion is built around it. Whole damn religion built around it. I'm going to just go ahead and end it off this clip. I mean, it was it was two more topics that I had that was relevant, but I can save it for next week. I mean, I'm sure it'll come together, but I'm two hours in. I'm going to just let it go right here. It's past 8 o'clock. I need to eat some dinner, calm myself down, you know. I'm calm. I'm honestly, I'm calm. I'm just, I'm just speaking. The, I'm just speaking the truth. I'm just, I'm, this shit is, I'm tired of this shit. Like, we our own fucking worst enemies. And we we'll sit here and say this the problem, this the problem, this the problem, but we the problem. <laughs> we the problem. And I will continue to say black people collectively are suffering from a mental illness. We are stuck in this Willie Lynch syndrome. I challenge everybody who listens to this episode. Read the Willie Lynch letter and the making of a slave. Type that shit on Google. You can read the shit in about five or ten minutes. And it will open your fucking mind, eyes, ears, everything for you to realize that we are being played from jump. And we still being played. We playing ourselves at this point. Playing ourselves. fucking playing ourselves do i even want to end this episode off with a song oh man (sighs) 
It's a taste to consider podcast. Hey, I'm uh, yeah. I'm gonna get on social media this week and I'm gonna promote the hell out of this episode and that's that's gonna be just it. Um The Wanted Unwanted Black Men Revisited. And if you didn't listen to the first Wanted Unwanted Black Men, go back and listen to it. But yeah. I'm on Spotify, Google Play, um, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Stitcher, YouTube, um, greatestiamblog.com. Like, share, subscribe, follow, download, all that other stuff. I mean, if y'all really say that y'all down with change and growth and all that other stuff that niggas be saying, talking that good talk, share my shit. Do something. I don't fuck. <laughs> um, shout out to the unpress unprocessed knowledge show. Um, he just released two great episodes that's um just pushing um all of this this stuff further that us black folk need to hear. Um I need to have Scott on this uh show. As a guest, we do some cross um, uh, recording and promoting and stuff. So we can just talk about some blackity black stuff. I need to have everybody on here, but um, I got to get niggas over here in the uh, the tasting room. I don't like doing, I don't really like doing Zoom stuff. And and I want to enter, I actually want to be in the same room with you and interact with you and, you know, feel your energy and stuff like that. That that makes for a much better show, just my experience and doing the podcast as long as I've been doing it and um what I've learned by being a communications major and um broadcasting and stuff, T V radio. Uh yeah, but it's a taste to consider podcast. I'm your host, Derek Silver. The taste of a taste to consider podcast. The podcast of many tastes. And I'll talk to you next week. I'm out.